Sports Studios. You'd rather be here. And now, from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa sports betting bill is off to the governor's desk after the House voted 67-31 in favor of the bill to legalize Iowa sports wagering late last night. The bill now goes to Governor Kim Reynolds' desk to sign off on the proposal and sports wagering inside the 19 Iowa casinos expected to start in July or August. Last night in baseball, the Twins brought their bats to Houston. To right field and deep. Reddick is back. It's turned around. Did he make the catch? No, that ball is gone. A home run for Jorge Polanco. The call from Fox Sports North as the Twins are now 13-7 on the year after the 9-5 victory. To St. Louis, the Cardinals and the Brewers. And Goldschmidt lifts a high fly ball. Left center at the The call from Fox Sports Midwest, Paul Goldschmidt, with his ninth home run of the season. And tonight, Des Moines becomes hockey town. The Iowa Wild game two of their series against Milwaukee from Wells Fargo Arena. And in the USHL playoffs, the Des Moines Buccaneers welcome in Tri-City. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. 11 o'clock hour, Miller and Condon. Dave Sinekin on the Packers momentarily. Portions of this hour brought to our bus by our friends at Fuller Dental, fullerdental.net online. A couple of locations if you're new to the area, if it's been a while since you've been to the dentist or you've moved from the west side to eastern Polk County, just too far to travel. Uh, there's a couple of locations in eastern Polk County, East 29th Street, Des Moines, and in Altoona, the quickly growing, ever-expanding city of Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Dr. Stephen Fuller, he's my dentist. You can go online, fill out the patient forms in advance, make appointments, connect with them, meet the staff, fullerdental.net. Let's get Dave Sinekin in here. You can read Dave Sinekin at theheadcheese.com, www.theheadcheese.com. He joins us. Dave, good to talk to you again. Trent and Ken, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm just hoping, wondering whether you guys can get a bet down for me on Bucks Celtics on the series here for me. <laughs> Don't think it's going to happen that quick, but it's coming. So you know, along those lines, uh, where's Minnesota, Dave? Any idea? Are they close? Will they go? Will they flip the switch next year? Or maybe a year off? I think they're a year off. I think they have a governor who's open to it, but I think uh, it's going to take some time. I think you guys are much more trendy than us along these lines. Gotcha. Well, let's get into the draft. I want to go over the schedule with you as well. Boy, September. I, I looked at the uh, the Packers schedule when it came out. I love the September schedule. Not easy, uh, starting with a couple of division foes right off the bat. But, you know, what kind of um, you know, draft are, are they looking for? Is this is this a draft where they will focus mainly on defense? Or if there's an offensive position of need, perhaps a tight end, perhaps a Hawkeye tight end, either Fant or Hawkinson. Which way do you have them going uh, at this point here, Dave? It's fun. They have three of the top 44 picks, and um, Gutekunst showed in his first draft last year he's not afraid to move around. Remember, he traded down in the first round, then he traded back up in the first round uh, and and netted an extra first-round pick. So at 12, 30, and 44, I think there's going to be a lot of options to keep moving 
But assuming they stay where they are, I think they they certainly address defense and free agency, throwing a lot of money at uh, three guys on the same day, the two outside linebackers, the safety, and then added an offensive lineman as well. You've got Matt LaFleur in as an offensive-minded head coach. You've got an offense that could use some reinforcements. So if the draft falls their way, um, yeah, I think one of the two Iowa tight ends at 12 is certainly in play. I'm not talking to the Packers. I don't know that he'll be there. But I think if he is, he's that that intersection of need meeting value. You don't want to ever draft for need at number 12. But uh, I think for the Packers' standpoint, if you are going to try to find that perfect intersection at 12, I think Hawkinson could be the guy. I also think either of the two inside linebackers, the Devin, White, or Bush, if one of them are there, I think that's the kind of player that Mike Pettin's defense just does not have and could make it electric in the front seven. Uh, but ultimately, I do think they will pay attention to offense. I think you're going to see them draft a tackle with one of their first three picks if the draft falls their way, or certainly uh, before the fifth or sixth round. And I think a wide receiver replacing Randall Cobb. They drafted three of them last year. I'm not sure they have a true slot receiver. Equinemia St. Brown might be the closest thing to it. But I think with all the wide receiver value in the second and third round, I think Green Bay is going to find a guy that will fit what Matt LaFleur likes. Speed, toughness in the middle of the field, and a guy that can handle some jet sweeps, some bubble screens, and some of the gadget stuff at that offense that uh, LaFleur has trained under with Shanahan and that McVay uh, likes to employ. Dave, you mentioned uh, Brian Gutekunst, the new GM, took over, what, about 16 months ago. Very active this year in free agency, certainly something we didn't see a ton of under Ted Thompson. 16 months in, still too early to kind of grade a tenure of a GM, but are you liking what he's doing? Are you concerned? Where do you sit right now with Gutekunst? Well, I like that he went out and got two of the best pass rushers available. There was a position that was just absolutely barren with Clay Matthews and Nick Perry moving on. It opened up a lot of cap room this year, passing on Randall Cobb as well. This is the year they were going to have cap space, and they needed to find guys that fit what Mike Pettin needs in his defense. Second year for Pettin, inherited uh, defensive roster, and now after seeing the guys he has, I think he told uh, the staff, uh, the scouting staff and Gutekunst, these are the kind of guys I like. And with both uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith, he's got big um, run-stopping outside linebackers as well as guys that can uh, get to the quarterback as well. They could use a, a Clay Matthews type, a lighter guy to rotate in. That's why I think Brian Burns is a guy that might interest them at 12 if he's there. I think they will try to find a lighter pass rusher to go with the two big guys they got. But I really like the future of those two guys. They don't miss games. Um, both guys have play, uh, coaches that came from their staffs or front office guys that are now in Green Bay. Bill Hendrickson, uh, the new second-in-command under Gutekunst, has been in Baltimore for over a decade. He knows Darius Smith well. And uh, Tom Olivadati, linebacker coach, came from Washington. He knows Preston Smith well. He Both those guys obviously talked those two guys up. And Adrian Amos was a a very valuable part of that Chicago defense. It gives the Packers a, a stud at, at strong safety, something they really lack. They need to get one more safety either this weekend or uh, after with free agency. Some guys are still out there like Trey Boston. Um, I, I think that, that Patton is going to really like what they've added to his 
stable, and I think they have a chance to add one or two more playmakers here this week. Uh, you can follow uh, Dave online uh, on uh, Twitter, TC Head Cheese. You can read him uh, at uh, www.headcheese.com. Let me ask you about Frank Clark, because here's a pass rusher, a defensive end, who uh, apparently the Seahawks are going to make available, Dave. And, you know, they want a first-round pick, which, you know, if, if they're going to get their asking price, I would have to think it's, you know, 26 on down to 32, perhaps. Maybe that makes more sense. With the Packers, that second first-round pick being pick number 30, do you think there's any interest there in bringing in a proven commodity like Clark, who's only been in the league, what, three years now, uh, to give up your 30th overall pick? Would that make sense? I don't think so for a couple reasons. A, he's going to want to be hugely paid. I don't think Green Bay's got to add him after what they did in free agency. I don't know that the system fits ideal uh, coming to a 3-4. I don't know that that is the ideal place for him. I think he's more of a 4-3 end. Um, so, no, I, I do think, though, the Packers and Seahawks might swing a deal Thursday night if Green Bay really likes a guy and wants to come up to 21 and can offer 30, and then they've got two early fourth-round picks, uh, some other way to maybe swing a deal. Maybe it's going to cost more. Maybe it costs them their third. Uh, I can see them working a deal as they did last year on draft night, but I don't I don't think Frank Clark fits with uh, with what Green Bay has, certainly cash uh, available. They can't pay this guy like he wants to get paid. So uh, I thought it was interesting, back to the schedule here for a moment, and Peter King in his column earlier this week mentioned the Packers never played on foreign soil. Yeah, I saw that too. I was surprised. It, it, it sounds like that's probably going to come to an end maybe as soon as next season. Any insight here, any reasoning behind it, or is it simply luck of the draw? Well, I think it's more than luck of the draw. There were rumors that that Chargers game might end up overseas this year, and it didn't work out that way. Um, they're not going to make Green Bay give up a home game right. because of what it does to the Green Bay's economy. So you have to find a, a road game partner that wants to give up a game. And, you know, frankly, Packer fans for stadiums. I mean, if you saw the Rams game last yeah. year, it'll happen to the Chargers <laughs> as well. I mean, they, they fill the seats. And so I think a lot of teams are hesitant to give up a popular team like Green Bay. I think ultimately if it happens, it's going to be a team like uh, Jacksonville and you know, like those LA teams that are having a, having a hard time filling the seats. Those those teams have gotten better, and I think those problems are going to dissipate. But um, they're going to have to find the right team that's okay with giving up a home Packer game because it, uh, they know they're going to sell out or get close to it, and that, they can't say that for too many other roads. Uh, Dave Sinekin is our guest. You can read him at theheadcheese.com. Dave, I, I love the way the schedule broke. The bye week being late as it is. It's in, it's in week 11. We talked about the beginning of the schedule, the first, you know, the September games at Chicago, home to the Vikes, home to the Broncos, home to the Eagles. So three home games, uh, in the month of September, including two Thursday prime timers, the one to kick off the 100th season, uh, at Soldier Field. When the schedule came out and you were able to digest it, uh, what were your thoughts? Well, four of the first eight are in prime time. That's really surprising for a team that was, what, 6-9-1. I know it's the past. Aaron Rodgers and the rebounds expected, but the fact that they got five, the maximum five primetime games surprised me a little. Four of the first eight in prime time uh, stood out to me. And then after the opener in Chicago, five of the next six are at Lambeau. That's, it's so unbalanced that way that yeah. the Green Bay just has to get out fast. To play five out of six uh, at home season means you're going to pay for that obviously later, and they've got a tough double dip late uh, middle of the season at the Chiefs on Sunday night football, then at the Chargers. Uh, that's obviously tricky. And I think I heard they're the only team in the NFL that has to go on the road on a Monday night and then play again on a short week on the road the following week. And that's how the season ends. 
two road division games uh, Monday night here in Minneapolis and then six days later in Detroit, um, two road division dome games uh, to finish the season. And obviously we don't know where Detroit will be, but I think they're going to be better. So, um, yeah, that's tricky. And uh, that end of the season does the pack no favors. I can't remember the last time Green Bay closed at home. It feels like they've been on the road week 17. Uh, every year for a while now. And they'll be in Detroit. Last thing, I'm going to ask you the same question we asked Paul Allen last week uh, when we had him. I asked him, uh, which of the opponents in the NFC North has got his attention by some of the offseason moves? Which uh, which of the opponents got better? Who got worse? He didn't think anybody got better, Dave, which I know floors you. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, what, what were your thoughts as you look at it? Any of the teams in the NFC North, in your mind, uh, get uh, markedly better? Boy, you know, it's funny. I, I don't think the Bears are any better losing Vic Fangio, Callahan, and Amos from their defense. Uh, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. They have a tougher schedule. Maybe Trubisky is better. Maybe that offense is markedly better. They gave up on Jordan Howard. They have some work to do in their backfield. don't think the Bears are better. Uh, the Vikings could get better if they hit a home run on the draft and address their offensive line. Uh, just re-signing Anthony Barr and Everson Griffin doesn't move the needle a lot for me. I don't think Kirk Cousins has proven that he can lead a team without a lot of help, and they haven't really helped him out in the offseason. Uh, Detroit, I, I'm not going to believe in Detroit until I see it. I, no. I think uh, they, they need a complete rebuild. I think Patricia's in over his head. I think they've got some talent, but I'm not going to believe they've gotten better. Packers have spent the money. They've got draft capital. I do think Green Bay has the best chance to uh, look like the team that's moved the needle the most if things go their way. Let me close quickly with you guys a question. Every prominent mock drafter I've seen the last few days has the Packers taking fans at 12. And while I feel like LaFleur would rather have a guy that's more yeah. than just a receiver, I'm, I'm not real enthused about fans at 12. I can certainly buy in at 30. Do you think that's reaching a bit at the end of going Noah Fant at number 12? If, uh, if you're go concerned, ahead. go back and watch the tape two years ago against Ohio State. They were putting safeties on him. He was running past them. Straight go route as a tight end against an Ohio State safety. He is a physical specimen. Needs to be more consistent with the hands. And the other thing, he gets knocked as a run blocker. It was because he's compared to TJ Hawkinson. He is still an above-average run blocker here. You're getting an amazing athlete, a guy that is at least above-average as a blocker. And if you can put it all together, you're going to have not just a good, but a great tight end. Are you sold? Thank you. Well, at least I won't freak out if he's the pick now. I feel better. Good stuff. Hey, Dave, listen, thanks for what you do for us. We'll be talking to you a whole lot more as we get closer. Thank you, Dave. Sounds good, guys. Take it easy. Good to talk to you. Dave Sinekin. Read them, Packer fans, at theheadcheese.com, theheadcheese.com. Follow them on Twitter, TC Head Cheese, uh, at, uh on Twitter. Are you ready for this? I got I got a number for you. What is it? It's not a gambling number. Okay. 100. Okay, 100 what? 100 days until the first NFL preseason game. The Hall of Fame and game. Featuring my Denver Broncos. Yes, yes. Who do With- they play? I don't Atlanta. Know. Is Atlanta good? Because what? A couple of Broncos yeah. going to be inducted. Yeah. Not just Champ Bailey, but what? Pat. Pat Bolin, the Bolin, owner. Yeah. yeah. Who is, is full blown Alzheimer's. Is there is there a Atlanta player that's also. Yes, and I don't remember who. Oh, well, it kind is, of. There is a. T- Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. Who ended his go. career. Yeah, he's a chief. Exactly. That, yeah. That's how I think of it, too. But yeah, not. Too bad. 100 days. No, We're getting there. We're getting there. I told you it's the halfway point of the offseason this Thursday. 
Maybe it's 102, but it's close as we can get. Double digits tomorrow. Indeed. We will. Uh, that's, that's music to my ears. Midway point of the offseason NFL draft checkpoint. Uh, we will um, going to talk to Zuba Mahente coming up, but it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword COIN to 200. 200 right now is your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's COIN to 200. 200 standard message and data rate supply. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. He's next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460. States or situations. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Trent and I with you until noon. If you miss any portion of the program, perhaps Brian Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, who answered some of our questions early in the 10 o'clock hour, you can go to the podcast page. You can find it there. Sports wagering, it is coming, but uh, the July 4th date that's being floated around out there looks like it probably it's optimistic it's probably not realistic august seemingly uh is when we are going way we when the state is going to be ready uh to flip the switch on sports zubin mahente speaking of sports espn sports center zubin joins us as we go around the world of sports every tuesday this being no different hello zubin trenton ken how are you my friend congratulations to you guys first i almost feel like you guys have been uh the uh, leading proponent of this on the, on the air. So uh, I know this is a huge day for you guys. So, uh, Awesome. Yeah, no, we've been talking about, uh, well, lines for a whole long time and trends into it and uh, kind of our wheelhouse. No doubt about that. Speaking of wheelhouse, Zubin, uh, you know, you can't think of the NFL draft and how big it's become without uh, giving a, most of the credit, in my opinion, to what ESPN did. And sure, they were searching for programming right back in the early day. And they had an idea to put this thing on television when it had never been done before. And I've seen some, you know, the old stuff recently. Uh, Pete Roselsa is confused more often than not as the process was unfolding. It's a whole lot slicker now, clearly, and TV's had a big role in it. But TV's role in what this has become, a full three-day event, I think starts and stops with the folks at ESPN. Yeah, I mean, I think they would certainly appreciate hearing that. I mean, I think for those that aren't old enough to really remember Roselle and his role, um, this is a guy that was about as TV savvy as anyone, right? I mean, he was really behind the creation in many ways, along with the people at ABC on Monday Night Football. He's a real sense for TV savvy. So when you reference that story of when ESPN went to Roselle, the late great Pete Roselle, and said, we'd like to put this on television. And he said, why would you want to do something like that? <laughs> you know, that's the guy that really had his finger on the pulse of what the American sports fan wanted at the time or whatever technology was at the time or what would sell at the time. And that even he didn't have any sort of indication on what the case was going to be or how it would turn out. Uh, just goes to show that you never know what really people click with. And that's a guy that really knew what was going on, and I don't think he had any indication this would be the case. I think it's grown over the years. Obviously, the NFL Network's gotten involved. ESPN College Game Day has its own broadcast, which seems like a really good idea because in terms of translating to the next level, sure, you want the NFL people but who's seen these guys more than our college guys? And obviously some of our college guys like Dez or you know Brian Greasy, guys that have had massive success in college and ended up playing in the NFL, knows what it's like to succeed at both levels as a national champion 
Uh, and in Dez's case, a national champion and a Super Bowl champion and a Heisman, by the way. So it's one of those things where uh, you've got pretty much a trio of options. And if you don't want to watch the ESPN or NFL Network, I know Yahoo did their own mock draft. Everyone does their own mock draft. So it's something that, like, everybody's gotten involved in, even if you don't televise it. And that's pretty rare. Um, it's one of those things that as soon as it's over, I know I've worked with Mel and Todd in the past, just last year. Uh, as soon as it's over, the 2020 big board will be out. <laughs> and in some people's cases, that's a little bit quick. That's a little bit weird. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's on to the next. And it's not an over-exaggeration to have the 2020 board out there the second the 2019 draft is over. You know, is Tua going to be right at the top? Where's Justin Herbert? It seems silly to ask that question now. But for a lot of people, come Sunday, it's just a matter of a few days. <laughs> come Saturday or Sunday, that'll be a legit question. And A.J. Epinesa, uh, very well very be high towards yes. the top of that list. But that is a conversation for down the road. Hey, Zubin, uh, ABC will be <laughs> broadcasting the draft. We saw Fox get involved a year ago. The ABC-ESPN marriage has happened for a while, ever since Disney uh, bought up ESPN, and that connection has happened for a long, long time. Does it change anything when, when you guys have to do anything in conjunction with ABC from your work with ESPN? Yeah, it's broadcast on a broadcast network. Has anything changed for you or, or any of the people kind of in your same line of business when it's on the network, the big network of ABC? I don't think so. I think people sort of expect the same thing. I think it's even now really been branded ESPN on ABC. The old right. ABC Sports moniker, as far as I can tell, has really gone away. I mean, I don't even really see the, the logo anywhere anymore. It used to be a pretty prominent logo, the uh, the ABC logo behind like maybe like a yellow background used to be its main logo. But I don't even see that anymore. It's mostly been phased out to basically have ESPN overlay it. It's just more or less ESPN and ABC. I think the main thing is when we have a wild card game and we televise it on ABC and ESPN, it's pretty much the same game. It's a simulcast. But in this particular round, ESPN will have the traditional draft and ABC would have the college game day draft. So I think in this particular case, if there's a couple of different angles to have, it's no different than something airing on NBC and then NBC Sports Network or something like that if you have a secondary arm. So when it comes to a wild card playoff game, there's nothing you could put on the alternate channel, maybe other than a different seed of the game, a different angle of the game. But in this particular case, if you have two networks to go to and one's a broadcast network, um, I think you have to give them something different. I think you have to give the viewer a different option. I think what we've all learned in any business, not just the media business, but especially the media industry, that Consumers have an insatiable appetite, and if you can give them a little something different, it's like the BCS and the national championship game in the playoffs, the mega cast. You want to watch this? You want to watch mm-hmm. this? You want to watch that? I think you have to give people a lot of different avenues. Uh, but I think the main broadcast needs to be on ESPN. And you would think maybe from a counterintuitive standpoint, the broadcast network might get a bigger audience because obviously more people have that available to them. But I just think there's probably so many people like us three and a lot of your listeners that year after year after year, it's again point for the NFL Network got involved, for Fox got involved for one year, that we're just used to watching the traditional broadcast on ESPN. And for a lot of viewers, that's just a, something that's always been in their psyche, that's always kind of been in their DNA. So I think when deciding to do what to do, I think all reliable is put the draft where everybody expects the draft to be, has always been, and then do something different with ABC. Because I think, we, as we've all learned, like I mentioned, give the viewer a different option. See what happens. My last thing on this, Zubin, I'm just kind of curious to know this, and maybe you don't know the answer, but regarding resources that you guys put at this, throw at this, you've, you've, you've got Monday Night Football, you've got the College Football Championship game, 
And unless I'm missing one that would be high up on that list, it's the NFL Draft Weekend. What gets more resources devoted to it? Would it be is, is it this weekend or is it the college football playoff uh, and championship game in your mind? It depends because what the thing that might put it over the top for the NFL. I'll give you an example. Just this week, like all of our NFL shows, so we air NFL live every day of the year, practically on weekdays. And we don't air college football live every day of the year. In fact, it pretty much goes dark after National Signing Day up until, oh, right around this time. It may come back here for a little bit. But NFL Live is on every single, quote-unquote, weekday during the year. And so that show is going to be based in Nashville. Our morning show, Get Up, I was just talking to some people with Mike Greenberg. Uh, that whole show today was broadcast in Bristol. They're building a new set. But they're going to be broadcasting the whole show down in Nashville on Thursday, and they'll take it through the weekend. The dual broadcast for the NFL Draft and College Game Day, um, and all of our folks are going to be down there uh, for the NFL coverage from what I can gather. I mean, there's just going to be a huge throng of people heading to Nashville. So uh, it's interesting because one is surrounding a game, and obviously it's a one-day standalone affair for the national semifinals, and then a week later or a little over a week later for the title game. And then obviously there's build-up in between. Um, but for this, in terms of three days of sheer nonstop action, is there more interest over Kyler Murray? Sure, than there is over the seventh round? Absolutely. But there's a ton of people that will be sitting there watching through the seventh round for a variety of reasons. So you can make the argument for both, but if we were just talking about the here and now, considering how many people we have down in Nashville and how many shows that are not even NFL-centric are being broadcast from down there, it's interesting to see how much we've really put into it. I would say, and I've said this before, if you take Kyler Murray out of this draft, let's just say he had played baseball, kept his $4 million, or even took the $14 million, which was offered by the A's after the loophole as MLB wanted him so badly to be a part of Major League Baseball, put him on the 40-man roster, give him the $14 million. I think you take Kyler Murray out. I'm not saying it's not interesting. The Giants are interesting. The Raiders have three first-round picks, as you know. I think you take Kyler Murray out of this draft, and the chatter about this draft goes down significantly. Last year, you had all the great quarterbacks, obviously, which is cool. This year, you've got one guy, and I'm not saying other teams certainly don't have intriguing scenarios at play, but if you were to take Kyler Murray out or he would have stuck with baseball, I think this draft would have a lot less buzz to it. Zubin, let's go to your beloved NBA. We got some excitement on the first Saturday of the playoffs, and pretty much since then, it has dissipated. Do I have to wake up for the next round, conference finals, (laughs) NBA Finals. What do I need to wake up for this NBA stuff? I think you got to wake up at least for the next round. Now, the Rockets got a little bit of a, a sub-their-toe moment last They did. Night. And uh, a couple of very bizarre things, as you know, happened in the NBA last night off the floor. But, um, look, I mean, Golden State and Houston in the conference semifinals, I think it could be possible that this could be the best, most buzzed-about, anticipated series of the entire postseason. And that's with all due respect, if the Warriors would play the Bucks or something like that. I mean, it would be interesting. People would get to know Giannis on a different level. But I think in terms of sheer excitement, drama, buzz, social media action, um, people tuning in, quality of play, even though I know, Trent, you hate Harden. But <laughs> yes, I, just yes. in terms of the, of just the talent on the floor, and you can make a real argument, the Western Conference semifinals would be great. But one other point that I think people have to think about with the Warriors, we were just discussing this yesterday. This is really amazing. The Warriors have not lost a playoff series to a Western Conference team 
in five years. Mm. You really have to think about that. Now, they lost the finals to the Cavs in 2016, but I bring that up because, believe it or not, the last team to beat the Warriors in the West five years ago of all franchises was the Clippers. And the Clippers were coached by Doc Rivers back in 2014, and that series is going to be remembered because the Warriors weren't quite there yet. But that series will be remembered because during that series, you may recall, Adam Silver suspended Donald Sterling for life. Like, that was during the I remember that. And the Clippers had to deal with all that. And here they are five years later (laughs) on the verge of defeating Doc and the Clippers. Again, I looked it up last night. In that time, this didn't take a lot of research, but obviously they played in four finals. They've won two. They've defeated exactly half of the West playoff field in the last five years. Eight of the 16 teams have been won. And they've only been stretched to seven games. I looked this up twice. Obviously, one was the Thunder Series, which obviously they were down 3-1, and that was the series after that Durant left for the Warriors. And then the Rockets took them to seven last year. So that'll be interesting to see if they meet again. And then obviously in the East, the semifinals could be very interesting, but I just tend to think the Western Conference semifinals may be the best of them all. Who do you think would be best for, for ESPN ABC to come out of the East? Who's, who would be the best matchup against Golden State? Would it be Milwaukee, Giannis? We don't know a lot about them. Embiid and company uh, with Philadelphia, Ben Simmons and Jimmy Buckets, etc. The Celtics are the Celtics, a national brand with some really good players. I like the Nick Nurse story, but it's Iowa, um, and it's, it's a Canadian team, so I'm not sure that would move the needle. Who would, uh, you know, it's, it's a cliche, it's crazy. They're not hoping for anybody. But who do you think would be the best matchup television-wise as far as representing the East? I think the best representative television-wise, I would lean Bucks. At first, my, my, my real gut instinct was Celtics, big market, big brand. But I'm not really sure they could get there. Now, they're playing decently well. They did speak to Pacers who were playing without Oladipo. My first flush answer, Ken, was the Celtics because of, like you said, the market size yeah. and the history and obviously what Golden State's been able to do. But for sheer quality of basketball, you got to keep in mind the Bucks are the only team in the league, not even Golden State. The Bucks are the only team in the league to win 60 games. The Bucks would have <laughs> the home court advantage, which might actually make the series a bit more interesting versus the other teams. Uh, you're right. I don't think Toronto moves the needle. I don't think they would do anything uh, here in terms of the rating, even though it's a very intriguing story. Um, so my first blush thought is Celtics because of all the history and tradition, but I think in terms of a matchup, you'd have possibly a Game 7 for the Warriors on the road. You'd have the NBA's budding big superstar in Giannis, and you'd actually probably have a team that, other than the Rockets, <laughs> that could probably go toe-to-toe with it. The NBA definitely needs some fresh blood. Uh, it's not a big story that's being talked about, but the idea that Portland, who has a spent fantastic fan base and always has is really coming to life they're actually missing one of their top players Nurkic. they're playing great and it's great for them to be in the mix a great team for milwaukee milwaukee is now out of the first round guys for the first time since 2001 Mm. if you can believe that and that's great for another small market team lillard and mccollum want to stay in portland this guy wants to stay in milwaukee i know there's so much talk about some of these other guys wanting to leave but maybe sometimes the, the story should be some of these superstars, not just players, not just guys, like superstars that want to stay in their smaller markets. And that at the end of the day, plus Westbrook and Oklahoma City, although that hasn't been as great of a story this year, that definitely helps the league's infrastructure from a long-term perspective. Uh, pretty big market in baseball. That's Philadelphia and some fireworks last night. Bryce Harper gets ejected in the fourth inning of the game. 
But to me, the biggest story to come out of that is not his ejection, but what his teammate, Jake Arietta mm-hmm. had to say. He said, we need him in right field. said also about his teammates, I don't think we were ready to play. These are the kind of things, these are the kind of stories that we don't get a whole lot, Zubin, but when they come out, they can be quite inflammatory. Your takeaway with the Phillies after last night. I wasn't too surprised Arietta said it because it's not like he's ever really held his tongue, and he's definitely able to say what he wants to say, and he said that when he was with the Cubs, and that's something that I kind of expect. I will say this. I, I think there's a lot of Phillies fans. And I, I We're not really close to Philadelphia, but I work with a lot of Phillies fans, and I grew up in the area. I, I would tell you that there's a lot of Phillies fans that just do not know what to make of Gabe Kapler. I would have actually expected this response from Kapler. I want my manager to go off like this and protect my guy uh, versus somebody like Jake Arrieta, although you should always allow your veterans to speak their mind. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think there's just enough Philly fans out there with the way the team collapsed in September last year and his rather unorthodox style of managing from day one. People just don't know what they have in this guy. I think they're skeptical. Um, I think they're certainly not sold. He does have some good bona fides. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's got a good pedigree. But I think there's a lot of Philly fans that are just like, yeah, I'm not really sure about this guy. I still don't know what to make of him. And when something like that happens, Someone's got to step up there and say or do something. And in this case, obviously, it, was, it wasn't exactly to defend Bryce Harper, to your point. But I think this is something a lot of Philly fans would like to see from their manager. And if that's just not in his personality or he's still trying to figure out where, what he's all about, at least it came from someone. But I, I suspect a lot of Philly fans are wondering why this came from the mouth of a pitcher and not the skipper. Uh, last thing for you, Zubin. I was convinced uh, middle of the week last week that the – the wake-up call that the Red Sox needed was to go into Yankee Stadium and face the pinstripes, and they got uh, they got swept in the. It was a small, it was a two-game series, but Chris Sale zero and four. The Red Sox. It's hard to defend, I guess, is what we're uh, learning here, Zubin. Uh, this Red Sox team may be one that uh, that gets nowhere close to what the, a lot of Red Sox fans hoped and expected them to be. Yeah, you know, at the first at first, I was willing to just say, you know what, they started out the season in that huge West Coast swing. Nothing really went right for them. But take a look at how tilted the schedule was. They'll get some games at Fenway. They'll get themselves back. But the more and more you look at it, it's just hard to win if you're any team. If you're a team with the depth of the Red Sox, your best pitcher says, I'm terrible right now. I'm paraphrasing. But Sale's basically been about as critical on himself as anybody. The heart and soul of the team is Dustin Pedroia, who played three games last year. And he got injured again in that Yankees series again that you mentioned. So you don't have him. Porcello is the ultimate hit-or-miss guy. Now, when he's been a hit, he's been great, but he's often been a miss. He's been the biggest miss of them all. And on any team, if you're telling me, you know, 40% of your starting rotation and the heart and soul of the team aren't doing anything, I think it's going to be really tough to win. I do wish there was more attention placed on what Tampa was doing, mm. how bad the Orioles are, or the Yankees, uh, you know, somehow winning with 13 guys in the DL, which is pretty impressive, I have to admit. Or the Red Sox really struggling. And then the story of the division, and right now the story of baseball, uh, is Tampa. I don't know how many people even know who Kevin Cash is. <laughs> He's turning into one of the best GMs in baseball. Uh, excuse me, one of the best managers in baseball. Their front office is in a situation where they've been very deaf. They're not even completely healthy. Snell signing was totally team-friendly. And so while the Red Sox continue to maybe sign Chris Sale to a buyer's remorse-type contract and the Yankees have all that money on the injured list, I think the best story is what the Rays are doing. They were right there in it until the end for a wild card last year. 
And I totally get the Red Sox and the Yankees get all the ink. It's, trust me, living in between of here, we, we get more of it than anywhere else. But I think it's probably obscuring the best story in baseball, and that's the, that's the race. It's early, but it's quite the story. Zubin, great stuff as always, my friend. Thanks for catching up today. We will uh, talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Zubin. You got it, guys. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente uh, from ESPN. He's right. Tampa is a remarkable story so far. Yes. Remarkable. They lost, what, four in a row before last night. Yeah, Alvarado blown a couple of save opportunities, too, which, I mean, he was lights out early. And Snell's hurt, right? Yes, he is. Yes, Yes, he's hurt. But uh, nothing long-ranging it doesn't look like with him. He'll be back. The new... 10-day, not DL. No, injured list. Injured list. Yep. Yeah, everything's changing, Trent. Everything it's, is it's, changing. It's the times we live in. I'm, you know, keep up or get left behind. Exactly. Uh, we've got one more segment. We'll come back, finish things off. Miller and Condon are here until noon. Now you are uh, double dipping today. I am, yes. A little extended uh, stay here on KXNO on the airwaves. I'll be on with Chris from 4 until 6 before Cyclone Insider from 6 until 7 tonight. So I or fact, six and probably forty five with the Iowa Wild, yeah. Yeah. with the with the Cardinals and Brewers tonight game too. So yeah, I'll be in with Chris. We got Jack Whitford stopping by. He's going to be saw with that us yeah. in the five o'clock Senator hour. Jack Whitford, correct? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, um, watching him play football yeah, and right now state senator. Uh, so more on sports wagering with yep. uh, well, you'll be well versed on that for sure. Go inside the bill a little bit. Bring yeah. that component and maybe pick Chris's brain after what he did in football. Unbelievable. Season. Unbelievable. He'll never come close again. I, I, he knows I, I, that, too. I'm so excited for it, though. Yeah. Because, you know, he's going to be frustrated by it. Because we both had those years. Sure. I mean, maybe not to the extent he no, did. He no. had an all-timer. Absolutely. But then, and you're, how did I do this last year? You're thinking back. Right. What did I do? What am I doing differently? Just, yeah, your luck's gone. <laughs> right. That's, <laughs> That's it. it That's what it is. Indeed. We'll come back, finish up the program. Uh, by the way, if you missed uh, Brian and Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, I, I want to say this a number of times, and I hope you'll bring it up as well, get uh, Whitford's opinion on this. July the 4th, the dates that's being th- – that is way optimistic, folks. It's it gonna, is. It's going to be August. Yeah. I, it's I going to be August. Make that your reality. Yes. And if it comes sooner – yeah, you're, so be it. You're, right, right. But um, don't be disappointed when July Fourth yeah. comes and goes, and maybe even the entire month of July comes and goes, mm-hmm. and we're still not able to bet sports. You're going to be able to, um, but there are a lot of things still have to be done. And Brian laid those out for him. If you can, uh, if you're so inclined, you can listen to the podcast on the podcast page at kxno.com. Trent and I wrap things up here. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen six. Our mission. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final couple of minutes here of the program. What's on your agenda tonight, Cubs? Dodgers? That's in there. Couple of Game 7s in the NHL? Maybe a little of that. Uh, NBA playoffs tonight? Is yeah. it? Uh, it's a pretty heavy slate. Four games. Four games, yes. The one that I'm most interested in, probably Nuggets Spurs. I was going to say the same thing. If I could only watch one. Yep. Uh, and I probably only will watch. I'm watching the NHL. Two game sevens. Two game sevens, that does it for you. Well, two original six teams in the early one. Leafs, yeah. Bruins, and the Golden Knights and the Sharks late. I'll be in that late one. I have a futures on the Sharks to win it all. So Good. I will be rooting for them. And I got a big chance. Now I don't have to bet on that one because, well, I already basically right. have a wager out there. So I'll be rooting for the Sharks this evening. Twins Astros. There's another good. One. Who that, goes tonight for the Twins? I think it's Miley for the Astros. That sounds right. I, it was Oda Rizzi who was really good last night. Yeah, for uh, a long stretch of that one, it'll be Pineda. 
Michael Pineda. Not going to get a lot out of him. He's not a guy that's going to get a complete game or anything like that. Well, maybe the Bats will get to Cy Miley. That would be good to see. That Maybe this is just my fan hat. Watching this lineup up and down for the Twins, they're really good. Yeah, they got some pop in that lineup, don't they? Nelson Cruz, he's yep. just entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of the years that I... Did they get him for one or two years? One one year? Maybe with an option. I, I thought there 39. was... 39. Is he really 39 just now? Just out there, yeah. raking, great at-bats. Team could swing it. I, I still don't know how much, how much I trust the arms, but it's a really, really good offense. They played less games than anybody in the American League. Lead the American League at home. They're homers. in the front in the Central Division. They're yeah, in the right they division. Although, you know what? The, in the American League, look, I think the the Astros are still going to be really <laughs> tough to beat, in yes. my opinion. We'll see. Cards and uh, Brewers tonight. You know what? Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Cardinals. Dexter Fowler, who was just abysmal last year, he's hot right now. He hit a ball last night to right field. Trent, he just crushed it. I happened to be over there live at the time and saw the thing fly out of the ballpark. He was four for five last night, and he was... You know, he had bust written all over him. Right. He really did. Yes. Awful signing. Yep. Got his World Series ring with the Cubs, cashed in, and, and looked as though he was going to come nowhere close to living out the, up to that contract. Uh, what is, another interesting angle for the Cardinals game tonight starting is uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Is he? Yes. The That's, young man that, <coughs> that got hit here, right? Yes. Yeah, right. down to Principal Park. Right. And it's been a long, long road back. Mm-hmm. Got a shot last year. But... uh a different kind of angle, so right. going to be watching. I think because of that one. Plus, I, I just I like watching the Brewers. Though they haven't played after that hot start. Really, good they've point. cooled off. They have. They have cooled off. Yep. Uh, that division looked as though they were going to get off to a unbelievable start, but they've let everybody back into this thing, uh, including the Cardinals. Look, I know people think we're getting carried away, but we're twenty games into the season now. Yeah. We're an eighth of the way through it. Uh, it's a long season. We get it, but we're now an eighth of a season uh, is behind us. So a four-team race, Pittsburgh. The names change, and yeah, they're still always there. They're aren't pesky. They? they are pesky. Well, I picked the Cardinals to win it. I'm going to stick with them. I don't like picking the Cardinals, but I did. Went with the Brewers. Yep. Though I did also go on the over on the Cubs when we did our over unders before the year. They're rounding into form. Mm-hmm. Cubs going to be all right. Well, Quintana tonight. He's had his last two starts have been yes. terrific. I mean, really good. That's asking a lot. Cappy joins us tomorrow. Speaking of Chicago, David Kaplan will be here. He's part of the program tomorrow. We've got a couple other things that we're working on as well. Hopefully we'll be able to to pull those off. You didn't get enough of Trent. He's back with Chris Williams today. He's in with the Fanatics. Uh, Jack Whitford's going to slide on in here. More sports wagering talk. Uh, Senator Whitford will be in here at 5.05, I believe, in studio. Yes, he'll be in with us. Uh, will you have fun doing that, my Thank friend? You. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Murph and Andy, the next live programming. They come your way, too. Then the Fanatics with Trent and Chris. Morning Rush will start it all over tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.